Let us pray. Almighty God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. For those of you wondering if I am some sort of masochist for picking this text to preach today, I'll have you know Neil chose it. (laughs) Just kidding. For those of you who did not grow up in the Episcopal Church, the readings are chosen for us every Sunday. Uh, It's part of something called the lectionary. We don't choose them. Uh, Wise, thoughtful, prayerful people have put them together so that we can hear the story of God's people from the Old Testament to the New and walk through the life of Jesus and hear His teaching and see His miracles and witness His ministry. But I wish they could have left this one out. Mark chapter 10, Jesus teaches about divorce. And there are some Sundays in which the passage is abstract, you know, some sort of theological reflections. The Hebrews passage on that was sort of like that today. Most of you lost um, consciousness during it, but um, it's one of those kind of lofty thinking on who Jesus is, and it's wonderful. But today in, in Mark's gospel, man, it is not abstract. It is very much uh, nitty-gritty. It has your home address. Uh, because this is not something that is out there. This is something that is in everybody's life in some way. You either are divorced or remarried, uh, have used divorce as a threat in an argument. Uh, Maybe you are a child of divorce like me. My parents divorced other people. They married each other. They are now divorced. Um, Maybe you have watched your adult children go through a divorce. Uh, Maybe you are someone... Uh, who um, uh, grew up with step-parents and had that reality in your life. So this is brothers, sisters who are divorced, my siblings are divorced. There's lots of this around. This is not abstract for anyone. And as you heard the passage read, some of you had an involuntary sort of shame response. Anyone who divorces and is remarried commits adultery. (laughs) Thanks, Jesus. You know, you were a little bit like those, you know when a cartoon character blushes, like when Elmer Fudd blushes, he turns red starting at his feet and it goes all the way up to the top of his head, and you had that warm rush of shame and embarrassment, possibly. Is it hot in here? (laughs) Tammy Wynette did not want to talk about this. She spelled it out, D-I-V-O-R-C-E. But Jesus went straight for it because he was asked to address it. He didn't bring it up, but he addressed it when asked. And so we're going to get into it. But I have to just say from the beginning, I realize I I speak uh, like I feel like I'm stepping with trepidation into this because, again, I realize everybody has a very personal connection with this passage. Uh, And this passage has sadly been used uh, very unhelpfully by people in the church to shame people, to make people feel bad about themselves, to tell them that you're not allowed to come to church anymore, um, to tell them, I will not do your remarriage. Uh, No repentance can ever remove the stain. 
This happened in our family. We had a relative who was getting remarried, and there was a divorce in one of the couples past, and church after church refused to marry them. Deeply painful. Uh, there are people who have been told, based on this passage, to stay in toxic and abusive, very um, damaging situations. Uh, so I wish I could apologize on behalf of the church for everything, uh, including this. Uh, I apologize to the extent that I can. Uh, that's not the point of this passage, and we'll get into it. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the context, because that's always important. What was going on when this discussion happened? How did they understand it? Why did Jesus teach on this? Why did he say what he said? And once we get that, it shines a new light on the passage, and we see it may not be quite the uh, tool to beat people up and make them feel bad that we think it is. And there's actually something very powerful, I think, that it can say to anybody. Um, Married, single, remarried, divorced, uh, wherever you are. Uh, So this is what we're going to do. What was the context? What did it mean then? What does it mean for us now? And I will say, just I I, want to get to the, uh, I'll I'll spoiler alert, I'll tell you where I'm going with this. Um, The main message for today in this passage, in this context of divorce, marriage, all that, and every other context, people are in immense need of grace, and God has a never-ending supply of grace. That's where we're headed with this. So, just so we can kind of regroup, uh, the Pharisees, who are a bunch of pastors, seminary professors, very religious, very earnest, very sincere, committed church types, come to Jesus with a question, and they say, And this is important. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? They do not ask, is divorce okay? They're not coming from a personal standpoint of, I'm in a really difficult marriage. We've tried everything. We've been in counseling. We've tried it all. It didn't work. What should I do? What are my options? Help me, Jesus. That's not their tone. That's not what they're asking. They say, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife. And the passage says explicitly they're coming to test him. They don't care what he's going to say. They only care that they can catch him saying something wrong. They want to make him look bad because he's a thorn in their side. Here they are, good religious people, trying to make everybody follow the rules all the time. And here comes Jesus, forgiving sinners, touching the unclean, Treating women like they're humans? Where does he get off? So the Pharisees are upset. He's making them look bad. So they want to catch him in something, and they want to test him, it says, and they say, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? That reveals some interesting things right off the bat because it shows, for one, that they were only asking about men. Again, it wasn't, is divorce okay? Is it allowed? Can a man divorce his wife? Because in those days, both in Jewish and Roman legal cultures, only men had legal standing. They were the only ones who could divorce anyone. Women had no options. Their only option was to go out for a gallon of milk and a dozen eggs and never come back. Desertion was their only option. And it was rare because a woman, if she left her spouse or if she was divorced by her husband, she had no place to go. She would be a social pariah. The stigma would be too great. 
and she would find herself destitute. She could not go back to her family of origin. Uh, it was, she would essentially be a beggar or a prostitute for the rest of her life. So is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And this is the context we're in. So, uh, Jesus says, uh, you guys already know. There's already, you have the Old Testament. They didn't call it then. It was just the Testament. Um, Moses addressed this. He said a husband could write a certificate of dismissal. He could divorce his wife. Um, See, there was no right answer for Jesus here. That's why they were trying to trap him. If he says, yes, it's lawful for a man to divorce his wife, they say, well, don't you care about what will happen to the woman? She'll be destitute. And if he says, no, it's not lawful for a man to divorce his wife, they'll say, don't you care about the authority of Scripture? Moses said we could do it. It's in the Bible. He's trapped. And so what he says is, go back to Genesis. You see, when people get married, uh, there is a union, and it's not just a legal union. It's not just a physical union. It's not just an economic union. It's a spiritual one, and there's a deep connection. The words in the text are, the two become one flesh. Two people are now one person, and he says, what God has joined together, let no one separate, and then he, that's end of speech. Uh, he's saying, he's doing, a, he's doing a couple things here. Um, one thing he's doing is to say that you, you guys are worried about the rules, but this is much bigger. And he's also doing something uh, that protects women. Because again, to be a divorced woman in this context is to be destitute. And to want to hold marriage together, uh, he is protecting the women and children and the vulnerable folks in the society. So just note that. The disciples have more questions. So at the follow-up Bible study later on that day, they asked Jesus, can you say more about this teaching on divorce? Because we haven't really heard this. And uh, he uh, says something, again, very interesting. He brings up remarriage, which nobody asked about. But he says, when a man divorces his wife and marries another, he commits adultery. And when a woman divorces her husband and she remarries, she commits adultery. Again, acknowledging that that word triggers a lot of shame for a lot of people. Thank you, Nate Hawthorne and the Scarlet Letter and Hester Prynne, you know, uh, to be called an adulterer. It's just, it's, it, it triggers a shame response. And so, you may be checked out, but I, I ask you to stick with me and see what's going on here. Because, again, another thing that Jesus is doing is raising the status of women, he says, if a man divorces his wife and remarries, he commits adultery, that would not have been as surprising to them because men were allowed to divorce their wives. But he says, and if a woman does it, same thing. He is making them actually equal. Very surprising in that context. Again, they are fully human. Something we're still trying to figure out as a culture, sadly. So, uh, this is what he is saying when he gives this teaching. Again, it's, it, it strikes our ears as really harsh. But this is first century language in the context in which he found himself for saying this, if you are married, that union is real 
and deep and cannot be simply erased by a judge's signature on a piece of paper. And what I mean by that is the memories, the experiences, that relationship does not evaporate just because the people are no longer legally married. And if you are a divorced person, whether you have remarried or you're still uh, single, you know that to be true. You know that this relationship does not just evaporate. It continues with you. And uh, I've seen it in my family. I was talking to a friend recently who said um, this person's spouse is divorced and now obviously remarried to them. And uh, this person said, um, the ex is always in our house. Not physically, but nevertheless present in conversations, at holidays. If there's children involved, obviously the person will still be in your life almost always. Go to Applebee's on a Sunday night. You will see fathers, usually fathers, having the final dinner of the weekend before the handoff occurs. The ex is still in, in the person's life. Uh, you know this, the memories come with you, the experiences come with you, the social media follows you now. If you get divorced, you have to spend, you know, 30 hours removing all the old pictures, trying to erase them from your feed. What he's saying is, marriage, it's not this thing about what am I allowed to do and what can I get away with when I get divorced and is it allowed or what about this situation or that situation? He's saying, if you get divorced, you will find that the person does not remove, the, the removal of the marriage does not remove the person from your life and from your heart. And the wounds that are there, they will heal, but the scars remain. This is true even when there are quote-unquote amicable divorces, and you do hear of them. They exist, but I've never heard of a situation where it wasn't painful on some level to sit in a lawyer's office and decide who gets what and to realize what you thought your life would be is not what it will be. So now, Jesus lays out this truth, and where do we do with it? Some of us are having one reaction. Some are having another reaction. If you're a divorced and remarried person, I hope your blood pressure is coming down a little bit, but you may be really feeling this. If you're going through a divorce, you're feeling very seen and also very awkward, maybe. If you're a single person, um, maybe you feel like you're off the hook this Sunday. If you're someone who's been married for 30 years and you've had your ups and downs, but you're still together, maybe you're looking around feeling a little good about yourself. But here's the thing. Jesus is doing in this situation what he does in all situations, which is when people think that God is some divine bean counter, you need to worry about what can I get away with and what can I do in this situation. What he tries to show us is that we all are broken and we all are sort of missing the point. God is not the one looking to give rewards to the rule followers and to punish the rule breakers. What Jesus wants us to see in all these situations, today he's talking about divorce and remarriage, but last week he was talking about cutting off your hand if it causes you to sin or cutting off your foot if it causes you to sin. He always takes things, people think that sin is some little manageable thing and the problem of being human is some little, you know, maybe if I just um, do some more yoga and meditate and go to church on Sunday, it'll fix the problem. He's saying the problem is so much bigger 
The problem of being human is so huge, none of us can fix ourselves. And he wants people to see that this problem is universal. Yes, it applies in relationships where there's marriage and divorce and remarriage and all of that. The human problem is on display there, but the human problem is also displayed in single people. And the human problem is also it's on display in men and women and old and young and everybody. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says famously, if you've looked at someone lustfully, you've committed adultery. Well, there goes the single people self-righteousness. We're going to hand out red-letter A's actually to everybody after church today. It's an iron-on situation. And it doesn't stand for Albans. Everybody is laid low by the teaching of Jesus. None of us have a pedestal on which to elevate ourselves. You are a broken human in need of grace if you have never been married, if you've been married five times. Whoever you are on that spectrum, you need grace. And again, remember, Jesus here is talking to people who are asking Him what they think is a theological abstraction. And so He responds in that way to help them see that this is not abstract, and they actually do have a problem, and they need some grace. And if you look at how he actually deals with someone who's not asking in an abstract way, but in a real way, when he deals with a woman who has actually been caught in adultery, that famous passage in John 10, when he sees a broken human being in need right in front of him, how does he respond to that situation? How does he, it's the same way he responds to each one of us who finds ourselves in some sort of brokenness of whatever kind. When that woman is brought to him, the text says, he says to her, I do not condemn you. This is Jesus' response to people broken and in need, is grace. At the end of this passage, Jesus talks about children. And at first, we wonder, what is he doing? But he's contrasting the approach of the Pharisees, which is often our default approach. What do I need to do to get on my resume to make God happy? I can show him this piece of paper, my accomplishments. And what he's saying is, we come to the kingdom of God as children. If you've ever spent time with children, you know that they are too young to have impressive resumes. They're mostly about the business of manipulating their parents and other children, trying to get the biggest piece of cake, doing things they've been told not to do, ruining their clothes, scraping their knees, showing no regard for personal hygiene. And Jesus says, you've got to be like them. Not like these Pharisees who are trying to find what are the rules so I can make sure I keep them in. Are there any loopholes? But be like a child. That baptismal font, which is now here, soon it will be moved back to the church. Thousands of people have passed through the gracious waters of baptism in that font. Maybe you're one of them. Maybe your children are some of them. And at the bottom it says, Suffer the little children to come unto me which is the old translation of what we read today. Let the little children come to me. 
you walked past it as you came in, and you'll walk past it as you go out. And read those words and know, and know also as you come to this table, this is a table for broken people. Those are waters for broken people. Jesus comes not for the righteous, but for sinners. Not for the healthy, but for the sick. Let the little children come unto me. In other words, you. Single, married, divorced, remarried, wherever you are. Let the little children, you, come. Let us pray. Almighty God, help us to know and receive the gospel of your love and grace for us and heal the broken places in our lives, wherever they may be. Amen.